0: Andy, Brian, thank you so much uh, for the time thank to you. chat with you. I really do appreciate it. Uh, Lost thank Angel it. is a beautiful, beautiful film.
1: Oh, Thank you, Steve.
0: Yeah, it, I mean, now I'm not super familiar with the folk scene uh, of the 60s and 70s. I, I, but so the name Judy Sill is new to me. Um, but I mean, that's sort of the appropriate thing of, of the title. I suppose that's kind of the point in many ways. Um, so uh, start for you both. How did you get involved with the film? What is it that made you want to tell Judy's story?
2: I would say it started with the old gray whistle test video of Judy performing the kiss Hmm. that just slayed me. If you go online and read the comment section of that, you'll see what I mean. That was my reaction in 2011 when I first saw it. And then Brian, I showed it soon after that. And he had the same reaction. And he had finished a film about uh, a documentary and a friend of his asked, said, you know, you should make your next film about Judy Sill. And was shocked that Brian even knew who she was, but I had just shown him that video. And within a day, we were working on the film. This is nine years ago, by the way. Um, mm. But the more we dug into her story and her background, it just became obvious that this was a very compelling story. And it just took that long to make because we had to get all the archival materials and we were doing it in fits and starts and self-funding. So it just took a while.
0: Yeah, I mean, her story is, I mean, it, it's wild. It, I mean, just you, just even from the early years, and just the, my goodness, you know, you hear stories when you hear a singer, and you say they've got a story to tell. Um, she definitely did. So, so why is she a lost angel?
2: Me, well, there's two. There's there's the play on L.A. So she was born hmm. in L.A. and and died in L.A. Hmm. Not far from where she was born. And so much of her work is spiritual in nature and uh, sort of tr- treading the line between good and evil in her own life and her own, the the, the ridge she walked down uh, along. Um, I think she was trying to be on the more angelic side. And hmm. so if the film has a perspective, I would say it's sort of, you know, acknowledging that aspect of her. And that's a good question though. I'm gonna have to fine-tune the <laughs> <I'm just honest laughs> I have to think of it. I do no, I mean it's a really good question. Brian, what do you think?
1: Uh, well it's fascinating because you know she definitely had lost elements about her and yet she was also devoted to her music and was writing even in the worst part of her addiction toward the end of her life, you know, she was daily writing songs and and you know, working and, and honoring her muse. She was writing right up until the last week of her life. Um and, you know, she's a fascinating case because we, we kind of have to come to, to some kind of answer about certain things about life, you know. I, Are I, we but- doing our best? You know, how do we how do we honor the gifts we're given? you know, and and she forces us to answer those questions. And, you know, the deeper we got into her life, we felt like even with all the pain, all of that, that she comes out as a kind of deeply inspiring, if flawed figure, you know, that we can all derive strength from.
2: Who is very upfront about her flaws and whose battles were largely spiritual. I'm trying to expand a little on the angel thing but i think she if you read her journals it was a real struggle it was a religious struggle for her she was searching all she was a buddhist at one point she was that that considering islam you know she was looking rosicrucianism she was absolutely looking for a spiritual uh guide uh, something spiritually to guide her because of her struggles, and she, so she was looking what for, angel means, I yeah. think, and she
1: was looking for that in her music as well. I mean, her the goal, you know, she writes it in her journal: achieve the union. Yeah. You know, I mean, these were songs that have a deep, yeah, a deep mission to them, without ever being pedantic or boring. You know, it's an incredible achievement, I think. Yes,
0: yeah, she she's fascinating. I mean, and you hear the, you know, throughout the film, you hear these different from her journals uh different conversations um and and you're i love that you're talking about this this tension because there really is this spiritual quest going on within her work and and yet it keeps coming up i i i i don't know if you guys can answer this because i mean how can you answer a question like this but the the conversations about spirituality and sexuality keep coming up throughout this film and uh, I just, I just wondered what your perspectives were on that, in, in, in her, and coming at what you've, what you've discovered in her.
1: Well, you know, Judy was drawn to music as a three-year-old when she went to her father Bud's bar in Oakland, and tried to harmonize with herself as she put it on the piano. Mm-hmm. And you know, there were people, as she said, fighting and puking all around her, <laughs> and she's this little kid at a piano trying to kind of find you know, some higher harmony, you know? And I think she really just kind of went about her life that way. I Mm. mean, it was all in her from a very young age and it just kind of manifested and grew.
2: And she recognized that if she was going to be saved, it was going to be through music. Mm. That in an essential way, music was her religion, you know? While she was trying to adhere it to some other um, teachings perhaps. Really, it was music, and I think a lot of us can, who are not necessarily religious, can I will would say that music is the closest to religion they get. And so, in a very fundamental way, that was true for her early on.
0: Yeah, it's it's so interesting to hear her crying out in in lament prayers while she's struggling with her drug addiction with uh with with all her personal issues as is you hear these things it's like please god help me save me it's um and that's very interesting i, I like the, the at one point i i forget who it is somebody in the film describes it as heart food uh the Jackson, music is yeah. heart food
2: yeah
0: uh, i well, i was, was the the
2: second album but that was Richard well that was her Brownson. second
0: album oh yeah. i didn't yeah. i didn't realize that
2: yeah. yeah, Jackson says hard food.
1: That's exactly what it is. Why didn't that nourish her? Why didn't mm-hmm. that keep her? Yeah. And he also went on to say we didn't include it in the film, but Jackson um, kind of postulated what might it have meant if, if Judy found uh, a core group of musicians, kind of her backup band, if you will, and what you know support that might have given her. You know, it's a fascinating question to ponder.
2: She had a lot of bad luck. And at the end, and not the same resources to help that people would have now. Yeah. So it's a tragedy in many ways, but in and it's also, as I think we mentioned, she was working till the end. She was writing songs until, you know, right before she died. So she was still plugging away, hoping it would change. You know.
1: I mean, Judy was not ultimately a downer. You know, her her motto was onwards and upwards. Fuck the odds.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, and and having, you know, having said that, that's one of the things that I, I was thinking about this particular film. I mean, we're talking about the sad story of Judy right now, we have been, because it is, it's a very tragic story in a lot of ways. But I'd also wondered about the genius of Judy. You put that right in right in the title, the genius of Judy Sill. Yeah. What what is the genius of Judy that sets her apart from that era?
1: I think just the profound depth depth and breadth of her musical chops, Mm -hmm. you know, that she was able to orchestrate and arrange and have in her mind, you know, how the, you know, fourth violins are going to sound in the second stanza. I mean, just that ability, you know, it's kind of awe-inspiring. And as Linda Ronstadt says in the film, the only other person on the scene who had that
2: was Brian Wilson. Mm -hmm. And it was all self-taught, too so she just had she was born with that gift she had perfect pitch she just had musical chops and it made her different from her contemporaries who acknowledged her many of them acknowledged her as the most talented amongst them because of those
1: and her life experience separates her from almost everyone right i mean she had so much trauma and hardship early in her life and was able to kind of uh Formulate all that into a muse that like wrote songs that are just purely Judy and you know one of a kind. Yeah, and it, this perfect combination of like you know life in the gutter and her talent in the stars and and she can write about everything in between you know.
0: Oh, I love that. Yeah, that's a yeah, very yeah. That's I, like I that hadn't too. thought of it that way.
2: <laughs> I'm gonna uh, say it next time. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Fair <laughs> uh, because because this is this is who she seems to have been is this woman who was struggling to get by every day but had this incredible uh, desire and connection for something deeper and more
2: one hundred percent that's exactly right that's how I see it yeah and that's inspiring as tragic as it is that's actually pretty inspiring to me it is because yeah. she was fighting she just had a bad drug addiction mm-hmm. you know that Was playing with fire, but she was just not giving up. Hmm. It was listed as suicide because that's what they listed drug overdoses as in those days, but I don't think it was. I think she knew it could happen probably, but you know, was not trying to die. Yeah. And Steve, let's remember that she she lived in a
1: time when the phrase recovery wasn't even in popular culture. Right. You know, it was truly really was a different time. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that, that is absolutely right. We're looking at the it was the transition from the 60s to the 70s. Uh yeah. was it the late 60s? Was it? Yeah, it was.
2: Yeah, she died in 79, but she died in 79. Soon after that, it became Betty Ford and you know, that whole that was after. Yeah. Know. I mean, well, Betty Ford might have been in the 70s, but it was just, wasn't the same. It wasn't the same set of options.
0: No, certainly not with the support systems. And the way we view mental health issues now is, you know, a thousand percent different in in 360 and 360 again. Um, You know, just talking about her music uh, a minute here. And I don't, again... I realize this is a tough question to answer because this isn't this isn't both of you, but the second album. I think it was the second album, the one that didn't take off. We the the film deals a lot with that, and it talks about David Geffen, and it talks about the some of the controversies there. But one of the comments that I, that is made that I thought was really really interesting was uh, if I get it here, the audience loves what the audience loves. So we have this young woman who is made who's you know she her name's on a billboard she sits outside and watches watches her name on a billboard which is a whole other area of conversation but <laughs> but um has achieved this fame and then just the the second album doesn't resonate i i was wondering if you had any insight as to why you think that happened was it purely the stuff behind the scenes in your opinion or or was it that she was saying something that the others were, that the fans were not saying anymore.
2: I mean, that's a really good question. I would say less behind the scenes, more resonating. Didn't resonate with the time. Yeah, it's like I think Brown that said. was very painful to her. Very painful. She's arguably more well known now than she ever was in her lifetime. She it's died. Like Linda- there was no obit. I'm sorry, Brian, go ahead. Well,
1: it's just like Linda Ronstadt says in the film. Uh, th- there's nobody out to get her. She just didn't write something that would have resonate, resonated in that culture at that particular time. And it's a shame, you know, and, and it it is a shame. Uh, but, you know, I really think that uh, there needs to be space for films like ours that are kind of a corrective mm. <laughs> to any like mistake that pop culture may have made, you know, decades ago, you know, because like we, we, we are, you know, it's not like a, you know, po- popular taste can be, you know, it's, it's not foolproof. Mistakes are made, and people need to be rediscovered.
2: She deserves it, for sure. Yeah. I mean, as a fan, I'm saying that, not, <laughs> not as the maker of this, co-maker of this film. Well,
0: absolutely. It's, it, it's, it's sad in some ways that so long after her death, that it, it, almost you, you gentlemen are the, have the chance to tell her story. It's like, like yeah. now a lot of it's in her own words, absolutely. But I mean, it's like, oh my goodness, you know, this This is a story that, that disappeared. Um, just as we, we start to wrap up, I'm just wondering from your perspective, what do you hope audiences take away from the film?
1: I hope they're inspired by Judy and her, her struggles and her triumphs. And I hope that they kind of have an elevated perspective uh, on how hard she worked, how how deep she dug, and that she was writing and never gave up on her music. And I hope uh, also that maybe she inspires people to perhaps look at their own lives and and apply that wonderful phrase that she sings at the end of the film, however we are is okay. You know, there's a, a kind of level of self-acceptance and love that I think is uh, profound and, and, and not in a kind of lazy way, hey, whatever you do is okay, but the kind of self-acceptance and love that actually inspires us to dig deeper and kind of do better.
2: Well said, Brian.
0: Thank you. Well, it's uh, absolutely, I really do appreciate it. And, and uh, I appreciate the chance to chat with you. Thank you guys both. I'm sorry, I realized I just did, uh, Andy, did I just cut you off?
2: No, no, not at all. Not oh, at all. Okay. Brian spoke for me there as well. <laughs> Steve you ask great questions yeah so, thank you
1: so uh, touching thank to you. you know kind of feel like he gets it <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes yeah, I appreciate great. that it's thank nice. you so
0: much uh, I wish you guys the best uh, the film premiere is it, uh, N- Doc NYC is that where you guys are premiering yes
2: on Sunday yes
1: Sunday Wonderful. and then another screening on, on the 14th the day after
0: fantastic well thank you both and I wish you the best have a great day
2: thanks, thanks. you too Thanks. Bye-bye.